producer privilege here as that theme was playing i could see brent jamming out to our hey, intro so music i always get pumped up when i hear that i, I i'm not gonna lie <laughs> this is around the league from ugasports.com presented by our friends at connor grading and landscaping and asw distillery we'll tell you about them later in the show i'm dan young that's brent rollins who was jamming out uh, you couldn't see it i could it was worth it uh coach donnan is here as well he is the college ball hall of famer he knows more about football than anyone I know and uh, coach this week in the SEC a little bit lighter slate only five games we're going to start with the CBS primetime game 330 eastern time Ole Miss now underdogs on the road they're undefeated but going to Baton Rouge and uh, last I've seen coach LSU a two-point favorite to upset the uh, Rebels of Ole Miss yeah they're giving a lot of credit for their uh, home field but you know they did play well against Mississippi State didn't do very well at uh, Tennessee at home. But I think just the fact they played offensive, uh, you know, tenacity against the Gators really has got everybody thinking this might be held down there because they do have some talented players and are getting the ball to some of these receivers now. The thing about uh, Ole Miss defense is Auburn scored 30, uh, 34 on them. So that, that makes you wonder a little bit about uh, – strength of schedule but uh you know you can say the same thing about georgia's strength of schedule too so uh a, a case of we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now every game is going to be huge in the grand scheme of things and i gotta think that uh all of a sudden lsu thinks they're world beaters how about you brent i think they feel pretty good because for one thing they finally got Keyshawn butte the ball six catches 115 yards, including, I think, a 40 or 41-yarder. I mean, Daniels with the arm as well as the, the legs, like, they probably feel pretty good about themselves. They get this game at home. But, you know, Dane, I think you should have introduced them as the first place Ole Miss Rebels because they are currently in first place in the, in the SEC, SEC West, West yeah. and control their own destiny in, in a way. But like Coach said, the schedule with Ole Miss, so front-loaded with the sort of get-right games, and now they got five straight sort of in conference and in their own division. But the next two weeks at LSU, at AM, are you for real? Can you set up what might be like the big, one of the biggest games at Ole Miss in a long time, which would be home for Bama uh, in three or four weeks? You know, can that, you know, game day would probably be there, all that sort of thing. Like, can you get that set up? But I just personally watching Ole Miss, I think. I can watch them all day long offensively. Their running game with the way it uses misdirection, the way it puts defenses in conflict, uses the quarterback, always has answers. Like It's just fun to watch their running game. And I, I think this is just going to be that sort of physical in which team runs the ball better in this game. And this is one of those, to me, Coach, that – historically last 20 years if you think of defensive backs that are excellent in the sec you think of lsu and florida well if lsu is a weakness on this defense it's in the defensive backfield it's actually their defensive front that is a bit more stout so i think that that may neutralize some of this rushing attack from Ole miss brent what do you think i mean i i, I possible 
But like, I don't know how, like just looking at the way Ole Miss runs offense, they put things and put people in conflict so consistently. Like there's, you know, leaving guys unblocked, using misdirection. The quarterback is always a threat to run the football. It's just hard to stop their running game. But like you said, with the defensive front, with Ojolari uh, and some of the others, Roy, you know, that LSU has, I think, like you said, can Mingo, after not having a catch uh, against Auburn, Jonathan Mingo, can he get back on track and become like big play guy like he was against Vanderbilt a few weeks ago? Because if I'm scheming up against what LSU or against what Ole Miss can do, I'm saying I'm going to make Jackson Dart try to beat me because I haven't seen him have to do that yet and be the the hero for the offense. He relies on those running backs. He relies on those skill guys. I think if I'm LSU, I'm saying we're going to make you try to throw over the top on us. And if you beat us that way, fine. We're willing to deal with that. I think it's going to be a great game. That's for sure. Like I, I, I would legit want to be able to sit down and watch this entire game. I do as well, and uh, we'll get Coach Donnan back in here in uh, just a moment. It may have had an internet blip. Uh, and there's a shot that you hear uh, my child, whose babysitter is on the way, just around the corner. So if you hear a little <laughs> yelling from the door, she's just fine. She wants to join the show. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing uh, wrong with that, ever. I've heard, I've heard your dog before. It's a very similar principle. Let's yeah, I had to on. bribe the dog today, by the way. I bribed <laughs> the dog today, like gave, gave the dog a bone, because like, she wouldn't want to go out. She didn't want to go outside at all. Like she was like, hey, I want to play. So I'm like, all right. Take the bone, go chill. I talk, you be quiet. And I'm not being an irresponsible parent. I have eyes on my my child right here. I hope people <laughs> understand that because I don't want to get Twitter things. But get off your stupid podcast and take care of your kid. I hear it. Fine. Uh, Ole Miss and uh, LSU again. That is a, a two point favorite for the Bayou Bengals down in Baton Rouge. And uh, Brent, I guess we should move on to Mississippi State and Alabama and. I have no idea if Mississippi State's any good. I thought for three weeks they were, and now it seems like they're not, and it doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, Coach Donnan is back with us. We're moving on to Mississippi State and Alabama. Brent Alabama's a 21-point favorite at home. It seems probably appropriate considering what the offense looked like, but Mississippi State, in theory, should be able to move on them, move the ball on them, right? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Alabama last week against Tennessee had the lowest – coverage grade in the entire era of PFF in a single game that they've had 38. Like last year against AM was the only thing that's even come close to that. And it wasn't even really that close. So, and I have I've talked to some people in and around the league, former coaches, current coaches, like, and you, the theme you hear is, Hey, take the a off the helmet and the Jersey. And that's a very average secondary. You just don't see different makers in their secondary. So, and obviously what Mississippi State wants to do. But I think the line is appropriate because Mississippi State is 0-2 on the road and just, you know, completely fell apart against LSU in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, last week against Kentucky, even just struggled a little bit. So, I don't know, Coach, what, what do you think about or Miss State at Alabama? Well, they've had terrible luck against uh, Alabama both games that Leach has coached against them. Uh, the, talking about the Bama secondary, uh, uh, first thing you got to do is get lined up. They were so misaligned so many times. And, uh, you know, it's like somebody needed to send them a Western Union that Tennessee was going to go fast. And they just had so many easy layup throws. I mean, Hooker did a great job, but uh, Hyatt's enshrined in the Hall of Fame there at Neela Stadium when, one game, I mean, five touchdowns and six catches. And uh, it just 
it, it just befuddles me to watch the tape. I went back and watched it and studied it, and uh, certainly Tennessee deserves a lot of credit, but Alabama, with the penalties they had and the misalignments, I mean, you, you're going to get – a lot of teams are going to hurt them. Ole Miss is going to run the ball down their throat the way they can run the ball against those looks. I mean, they just have angles. And, uh, you know, Tennessee was very content to run the ball on second down, which Alabama thought they were going to be throwing it, and they killed them running the ball enough that their passing game was great. But getting back to Mississippi State, just looked to me like they uh, they went to the races or something up there. I mean, they they their mind wasn't in that game. They got knocked off the ball. Uh, very good running game by Kentucky. And that's the way you do it against a, a leech team. You get ahead of them make them play from behind, and they have a hard time on the down distance. So, uh, But you never know against this Alabama team. If that Will Rogers gets gets hot, uh, those receivers can get open against that secondary, no question. Very, And, you know, go ahead. You're muted, Dane. Sorry. <laughs> we always talk about how Mike Leach gets the most out of a little bit lesser talent in some cases. But it does seem like, Brent, that he has these games, like last week, where – they just don't show up. They don't perform to the level that they have been the previous weeks. There's just not a level of consistency there that you need in the SEC West. Yeah, and especially like for them, what is their hallmark? Their hallmark is, hey, I'm going to complete the you know, third and sixth pass all day long and stay on the field, and they just couldn't do it against Kentucky. Three, I think it was 3 of 11 on third downs. They were 0 for something, 0 for 6 maybe on third and 7 plus. Kentucky went back on and, and they went away from the running game because of how the game was going. They only had nine sort of rush, nine rushing attempts uh, in the game. And one of those was the first play of the game. I think they got like 15 yards on the first play of the game, but it, it's Kentucky looked like they went back to the, what we had talked about initially with the, Hey, we're going to rush three for the most part, drop eight, keep everything in front uh, and then get a little more aggressive on third down. And it worked uh, to the nth degree uh, against Mississippi state last week. And he's back again. I am. <laughs> I'm running traffic here. Yeah, you know, I'm back. Uh, and, and I want to mention our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping before we move on to our next game. Because I don't know if y'all have noticed, but uh, as I get up with my children and get them off to, to school, some frigid mornings, some frosty mornings. And so you want to make sure your yard is looking good. And this is a perfect time to do any work. So that way when the spring comes around, you are good to go. You need to call our friends over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. Check them out on their website at connorgrading.com. Brent, I check in with you every week. What's the status of uh, your lawn that they're helping you with? Uh, my day job is like taking over my life over the past few weeks. I, I was in New Jersey last week, and you know, once I actually get a chance to breathe, which is hopefully starting next week, uh, I, I'm going to get things taken care of. That's for All sure. Right. So this commercial is for you, and it's uh, check out our friends at ConnorGrading.com. Whether it's moving some earth, whether it's some landscaping, just some ideas to have some features in your yard that will make you the envy of the neighborhood in terms of your home tailgate or even just your setup come springtime when it does get a little bit warmer. I think this is the perfect time to get work done on your yard, and the folks at Connor Grading and Landscaping are the perfect people to help you with that. All right, guys, let's move on to our well, – so one more thing, Dane, before we do that about Bama, just yeah. rewatching that game. Like Coach talked about rewatching that game. And I, I re, I've rewatched a lot of it, not the entirety of it, kind of skipped through certain pieces. It's amazing what Alabama asks of Bryce Young. Like he has to be Superman for them to be good. And 
he does a fun, and he is that. Like if you take him and Gibbs off that team, which you could say that about a lot of teams, yes. But what they ask those two players to do, and how much of the load they have to carry, like the rest of their roster. Now, obviously, what Will Anderson is, but the rest of their roster just doesn't feel very Alabama y just because of and, and I think they've gotten away a little bit offensively from what they should be. And like I said, asking way too much of Bryce Young. And he's Superman and he's able to keep them in games and you know should have won the game uh for them. But it, it's I could see them you know possibly getting another loss in the next month or so. I mean they've almost had two up to this point with Texas and Texas A and Yeah, I mean they're gonna have trouble they're going to have trouble with both uh, Ole Miss's quarterback and with uh, LSU's quarterback because of their mobility and the fact that, uh, you, you know, their linebackers are, are just having trouble in space when you get get the ball out there. And, and you saw the way, uh, you know, everybody that's played them uh, hurts them a little bit. And you're not going to win a lot of games when you give up 52 points. But also, you can't count on scoring 49 either. So, just like Brent was talking about, they do re- require a lot from Bryce Young, but uh, but certainly uh, the, the the fact that you got to help them a little bit with your play calling and at the end of the game, it's been well chronicled. Hey, run the clock and make them use their timeouts or help your kicker, but uh, can't really get on Nick too bad about his career. But uh, that wasn't one of his better performances as far as clock management. Offense wasn't their issue, Coach, but I did just kind of have a question for you that Bryce Young is spectacular, and I'm not in any way saying like quarterback feels, but Milrow in the open field is one of the more dynamic runners in the country as well. Would you try to find a way to get the ball in his hands, even with Bryce Young as your starting quarterback? It's just hard to do that. You know, you t- every snap you take him out, I mean, you don't know what Milrow is going to do. You don't know how much he's going to take care of the ball. I mean, that, that's how they almost, uh, you know, lost the game before with the turnovers uh, to A&M. So he certainly could be used in the spot like on the, in the red zone or something because Gibbs is really dynamic uh, running the ball, and he, he's got very good acceleration. He, he had a crucial drop there at the end of the game, though. If he catches that angle route, he's yeah. down to the 25 minimum. So, uh, But can't worry about Bama. That's uh, – that's their problem. They deserve to lose that game. <laughs> I agree. They've deserved to lose a couple of these games so far this season, and we'll see how they handle the month of Well, December. not to mention 17 penalties. I mean, the last time I saw a team get 17 penalties, it was at the Burlington Elks Club when I was playing Little League football, I think. So, uh, well, I mentioned with Mississippi State that it's just unpredictable what they're going to be. You can kind of say the same thing about Texas A&M and South Carolina – uh, Texas A&M coming in three and three, going into Columbia, and Brent A&M a three-point favorite on the road. But I really don't think you like any of the quarterbacks playing in this game. No, not at all. And it, but and it's one of those games where it's like who's going to survive in a way. But hey, give you know, Beamer Beamer ball three in a row, three-game winning streak. You know, going to the bye and feeling good about themselves. And what's amazing, like you look at their schedule, and granted. You know, look at Rattler's passing grades in the sort of four actual games they played. Georgia State, 51.5. Arkansas, 41.5. UGA, 48.6. And then Kentucky, 42.1. He hasn't played well. But they've won games. Uh, and, 
you know, can they actually get on a run? Because, you know, A&M at home, then they get Missouri at home, then they go at Vandy. Like, they could be feeling great about themselves just to be kind of dunked on, I think, in the end with Tennessee and Clemson at the end of their schedule. But I do think, you know, if you like running backs, like the two running backs in this, and you like teams that have explosive running backs, the two running backs in this game are fun to watch. Marshawn Lloyd is really starting to get rolling for, for South Carolina, and then A-Chain is, is phenomenal as a back for A&M. But like you said, if they if AM goes and sort of lays you know lays an egg, how hot is Jim Post like each and every week? Does it get any hotter? Like, can it get any hotter after that kind of loss? I don't know, but it, it's gonna be interesting to see in kind of a coin flip game who gets any sort of who's whose quarterback turns it over the least. Yeah, I could see uh, a situation where they might go with a freshman quarterback. Uh, you know, Bill for the future, uh, you, you know, they, they, certainly he's got a lot of uh, uh, pop in his arm. And, he, you know, uh, they showed how they could throw the ball okay with Max in there. I don't think he's going to be ready anytime soon. But the, the situation is such, if you just put their first 44 out there and compared both teams' personnel, uh, there would be uh, no doubt that uh, A&M would, would win that hands down as far as the eyeball test, as far as the ratings. But the way that South Carolina's playing, they're getting coached well. They're playing within their limits. Their special teams are helping them. And in spite of their quarterback, they're finding a way uh, not to lose games. I mean, you know, they had two laydown games there, you know, after they lost those two but uh, against Georgia and Arkansas. But uh, certainly the win against Kentucky was monumental for Beamer. And they're on their way. They got to – if they can get those two, you got to think they should get – for sure, Vanderbilt, maybe Missouri, but uh, you know, Florida, they got them last year. Uh, Florida's three and 11 in their last 14 co- conference games. Hard to believe that, but uh, I just think identity wise, the longer Carolina can get the crowd in the game and they can stay with AM and AM have that doubt on the sideline, you just can't think that right now there's a lot of guys there on. A&M's roster that are thinking, what in the world are we doing except this NIL money we're getting? I mean, they're just not getting much love from their fans, from anybody else. And that would be a team that, if they do make a bowl, would probably set the record for the most guys that sit out of a bowl game, I would think. So, you just you will see what happens. I think you guys nailed it. This is kind of one of those reputation games. And coming into the season, it was, well, Texas A&M has the talent of an Alabama or a Georgia and, and it's upper echelon SEC. When you lose to South Carolina, you're not upper echelon SEC. And I don't especially care what the talent is. Especially after the way they just completely destroyed them last year. I mean, that was a game where South Carolina had less than 100 yards at A&M last year. And everybody was talking about what in the world are they going to do? then all of a sudden they come back and beat Florida at home, uh, you know, just inexplicably with that win against Florida and Auburn. And, all, you know, then they, they were rolling and then got that win against North Carolina. And that, that game against A&M was kind of the signature game for being as low as you could be and then making a comeback. You got to give Beamer and his staff a lot of credit because from that point on, that that team has kind of felt like they're better than they are, and they've played like it. They definitely have. And uh, a, a team that is as good as I've always thought they are, the folks over at ASW Distillery. And this week, I want to tell you and use my uh, broadcaster voice that I work on from time to time. I want to <laughs> tell you about the Fiddler Georgia Heartwood, because this is the bourbon 
that I have been uh, imbibing on during the postgame overreaction show after Georgia plays. So the Fiddler Georgia Heartwood Bourbon from ASW Distillery. The same foraged high wheat bourbon as our flagship Fiddler Unison. Finished on the staves of Georgia Oak that our distilling team harvested and hand charred. The 45% wheat content is unique for bourbons, leading to the sweet, smooth profile, despite its high proof. Notes of caramel, maple, toffee, and clove. Thank you. Well done, voice ever, Dane. Well done, voice ever, Dane. So this bourbon is actually won awards at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition, which I really don't know what that means other than it's really good bourbon because I don't know what all the spirit competitions are. Uh, but that's why my friend Chad over at ASW Distillery is going to tell me about all the different competitions that they're in. What I do know, because I've watched sports my whole life, you get the gold in something, it means you're better than a lot of other people at it. And I can tell you the ASW bourbon, uh, the Fiddler Georgia Heartwood is fantastic. You should get it yourself. Look for it wherever you find your spirits. Two more games, guys. Uh, Vanderbilt and Missouri. This is the cellar dweller of the SEC. Missouri is a better team than Vandy, coach. But does Vandy have a shot here? Missouri, 14-point favorite. Yeah, the thing about Missouri, they had an off week, and they had to look at at the program and see where they are and and figure that their defense is probably better than they thought it was going to be and their offense hadn't stepped it up. Self-analyzation is really critical when you're trying to win a game and get into the stuff you can do well. You ought to be able to do some things against Vanderbilt. Uh, the one thing that was disappointing to me in Vanderbilt was how many times, of course, they were out the athlete against Georgia for sure, but how many times they were in position to make plays and never made them. I mean, just routine plays, they, they, they didn't make any of them. And then throwing the ball and catching it, they didn't do very well either because they had some guys open. You're going to see people complete passes against Georgia. I mean, they they got some issues back there. But the thing about Missouri, it's now or never for, for Drinkwitz. I mean, he's against the wall. I mean, everybody out there is doubting him. Uh, you got the cook who's, who's saying he looked at every throw that he threw this year and he's analyzed them and he's going to come back and do well. What they're going to do with Burden, who knows? They haven't done much with him yet. But Missouri's got better players. I mean, when you look at what they got compared to Vanderbilt. But, you know, Vanderbilt all of a sudden looks at themselves and say, look, we're better than we played against uh, Georgia. We just can't go on the road and shoot a zero like that. But uh, I would think Missouri should win this game. But I got no confidence in either one of those teams. How about you, Brent? I agree. And that's the reason they're both 0-3 in the conference. They're a reason sort of where they are, both on three-game losing streaks. The interesting thing for me is always, like, I wonder what that bye week or that sort of open week is like when you've lost three games in a row and then you go into the open week. Like, how deflating is it? Do you, like, at you as a coach, would you say, hey, boys, go get away from football for a week or, or for a few days or something like that? How would you treat a, an open week – after three straight losses? I think the, the biggest thing is you always change a losing game and you never change a winning game. Whatever we thought was going to win for us hasn't been going for us. So let's look at what we did well, look at the situations that we reacted to favorably and, and augment those and the ones that we did poorly on. Let's find a way to do at least be competitive in it and not, you know, they were in the game against Florida. I mean, they had a shot uh, on the road to, to beat the Gators. And uh, they just don't have that little oomph to get over the hump. Nobody makes any big plays, uh, particularly in a passing game. The running game's okay. 
defensively, I've been impressed with the way they stop the run and they're around the ball. They're doing a that guy's doing a good job putting their kids in a position to win as compared to the last couple of years when they were running some of that pro stuff and just got out aligned and they just gave up too many easy. They got a good kicker. He missed one against Auburn, but I mean, use him. Uh, only thing I would say is Vandy should be the, the cure for him. I mean, it should be a game. If you don't beat Vandy, the Mayflower truck's going to be there. I, I mean, nothing against Vandy, but what makes you think you're going to beat the rest of the teams on your schedule? If you know, you still got to play Tennessee, uh, got Kentucky, don't they? Uh, I, I don't see them winning any more games if all of a sudden. They lose that one. They South Carolina's a toss up right now, but if they lose, it's you gotta figure Carolina's a favorite. Yeah, it's already unlikely that Missouri is gonna be going bowling. You lose to Vandy, it's for sure. You're not going bowling. So that Mayflower Mayflower truck would be there a little earlier in December for Coach Drinkwitz at that point. Final game in the SEC this week, Tennessee, before coming to uh well, before playing Kentucky and then coming to Athens. They get UT Martin at home. Not even a line on this game, but uh, coach, sometimes in these uh, FCS games, you get a little sleepy after a big win. Maybe not quite as impressive. I don't think it's going to matter with Tennessee, but maybe they're not quite as sharp as they were against Alabama. I'm curious to see how they respond to their national headline. Well, here's the thing that makes me do things for around the league that I would never do. I looked up Tennessee Martin to see what their record was. They're four and two. They're ranked 15th in the, uh, in, you know, in FCS, they they have uh, they won the OVC last year. They got a quarterback that can pound the rock out down the field. I mean, they're, they're almost 300 yards a game passing. So even if you're throwing against the air, that's hard to do. So they'll get some shots against Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's secondary is not bad. It's terrible. I mean, they that's why they blitz so much just to put the put the heat on you. I mean, 450 yards to to, to uh, Florida, over 400 to Alabama. Uh, so this will be a laydown win, no question. But I think some of these Tennessee Martin kids will go in there and have a lot of fun because you got to believe that the uh, balls are overlooking them. And I look for them to score a couple times on them. I really think they can hit some shots on them. I, I agree. I, I think they might you know get into the teens, at least from a point perspective. And like you said about t- Tennessee's secondary – 128 second right now in the FBS in terms of coverage grade, uh, Tennessee's defense. And also, like Coach said, with the blitzing, they're they're one of the top five, top five teams in the Power Five in terms of percentage blitz. But, you know, what's interesting about Tennessee is obviously things are going as well as it possibly could be and sort of state of the program as good as it possibly can be year two with Heupel when not much was expected initially. But you know, we think we think about Tennessee, and you talk, you hear the Hendon Hooker talk, and you see the receiver with five touchdowns. You think, oh, they're throwing it all over the place. Not really. Like their their game is still a running game centric. Their offense is still running game centric to where, all right, once you finally commit to playing the run, we're going to take the shots over your head. But I thought I, I was just kind of looking at these numbers and thought it was interesting. Attempts per game, dropbacks, and attempts per game right now. Hinton Hooker has 33 and a half dropbacks, about 28 and a half attempts per game. Stetson Bennett, 35 dropbacks, 33 attempts per game. So George is throwing it quite significantly more uh, on average uh, than Tennessee. And I think from an outside perspective, much wouldn't really think about it. But I do like 
Tennessee's offensive structure will always give defenses issues because of how they spread the field, tight splits along the offensive line, and just taking the layups, the quick throws, the quick slants if you play too wide, or taking the deep shots, sort of three-pointers, and he's just hitting them. And really, when you look at sort of statistics-wise, that's really the only difference between Hooker and Bennett is that he's hit those deep shots and Bennett necessarily hasn't this year. Yeah, Bennett doesn't get quite the layups either because of the way people play us, you know. But I think the biggest thing to me is Tennessee just puts so much pressure on you to line up and your conditioning has to be superior because you can't sub because the only way you can sub is if they sub. And that really hurts you or unless you fake an injury. Which some teams have done. They look they bearing down on that a little bit, but uh, the maximum splits put pressure on you to play more man coverage than you want to play if you're not a good man team. And then uh, the running game is really significant right now. I mean, uh, you look at Jeff Lebby, who was at UCF and now at Oklahoma. He had a quarterback last week. They had almost 600 yards uh, with that Gabriel kid and a quarterback when they only had 200 a week before last two weeks so uh, they really put a lot of pressure on you uh, and we'll see how to, you know kentucky gonna get them next that's week. gonna be interesting they're gonna try that's to gonna keep, be a very keep, interesting game keep the ball away from them that's the way to do it but you know everybody talks about well you got to score with them but hey if they don't have the ball that helps you but uh, that we'll talk about that more next week but uh, you got to give when you think where tennessee was when they hired Hypo, I mean, they were really struggling to get a coach. And then uh, then White went with his guy that he knew from UCF and the transfers they've had and everything they've done about that team, just outstanding. And particularly their defensive improvement as far as getting off the field. They're a lot better on third down than they were last year, but they're still terrible against the pass. Two things for Tennessee. One, super smart scheduling to put UT Martin – in between Alabama and your November stretch. That gives you the best chance of success. So I don't even know which AD did that, but kudos to them because that's a smart play. Two, I still find Tennessee's performance in Baton Rouge to be more impressive than its game against Alabama because you're talking an Alabama missed kick is the difference. And all this perception of Tennessee being a top five superpower or Tennessee not being quite their own par. And look, they were really impressive against Alabama. I'm excited to see what the rest of the season is for Tennessee. I think they're getting a bit too much hype right now. We'll see how it goes. I mean, Georgia's definitely getting too much hype. I mean, we we haven't we played against the Ducks and and did good, but we, we got some issues on defense for sure. Uh, and I think Brent's talked about it. We covering people is going to be huge in that game. But and offensively, there's no big plays. I mean, we got to find a way to make some of those because. You're going to stop yourself sometime. But, again, 17 penalties helps any team win, plus the, the crowd, everything about it. Uh, Tennessee got to come down here and play. Uh, we, we'll look forward to talking about that in two weeks. But um, is Tennessee a top-five team? I don't know. Is Georgia a top-five team? I don't know. Uh, both of them, to me, got a lot of proving to do. Well, we'll have five games in the SEC week uh, eight week nine next week for you so this has been around the league from ugasports.com uh florida georgia coming next week tennessee kentucky coming next week 
Battle of the Columbias, Ole Miss and Texas A&M. A lot of narratives to be decided here in the SEC. Uh, we're able to do this because of our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery. So please support the people who support us. For Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins, I'm Dane Young. Thanks for joining us from around the league from UGASports.com, and we'll see you next week.